What's going on family? Let's talk about something that's been buzzing in the tech world, AI safety and security. How do you feel about the rapid advancements in AI and the potential risk that it brings? Have you heard of the stories about AI being tricked? It's a real concern, but fear not because there's a real solution, AI Red Teaming. You see, AI Red Teaming is all about stress testing. You see, AI models and deployments to prevent unauthorized access and data leaks. It's about ensuring that your AI can't be tricked into providing information beyond its intended use. And guess what? You don't have to do it alone. My friends over at HackerOne has a community of over 750 active hackers specializing in AI security testing. You see, in a recent engagement, just 18 hackers identified over 100 valid findings in just two weeks. That's the power of ethical hackers. Wow. So if you want to ensure the safety and security of your AI deployments, look no further. Head over to HackerOne.com and explore their AI red teaming services. With strategic flexibility, rapid deployment, and a hybrid talent strategy, HackerOne has everyone, everything you need to safeguard your AI. Don't let AI keep you up at night. Visit HackerOne.com today and rest easy knowing that your AI is in safe hands. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets and so much more download the app in virginia today and get 150 dollars in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at betmgm betmgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly see betmgm.com for terms 21 plus only virginia only new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days please gamble responsibly gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER promotional offer not available in washington dc say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Even whatever level of success you get to, it doesn't go away. You get in the room with these people and suddenly you're right back to that version of you. I have a chapter called Belonging is a Gray J. Crew Sweater. We kind of go through this process (laughs) of I can buy my way into belonging. And I talk about, you know, I bought it not on sale because that's what rich people do. And I like swiped that card and got that approval. But when I walked into the hallways, these leather clad mahogany hallways the next day, I felt like I could still smell vanilla dollar store perfume and mildew Mm. preceding me into the room. What's going on, fam? It's your boy, Anthony O'Neill. Welcome back to the table. That's right. We are back. 
in my new studio again. I'm loving this thing, boy. I'm trying to tell you all right now. My team is amazing. I'm going to thank uh, Taylor. She's in there, I think, somewhere. Chris, the fam, for doing it, man. But today, we're going to get straight to the show because we have a special guest. Her name is Mary Morantz. She is an author, speaker, and podcast host, y'all. I'm telling you right now, you're in for a blessing. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome my dear friend, Mary Morantz, to the table. Mary, what's going on, my friend? How are you doing today? I am fantastic, Anthony. Thanks so much for having me. You know, I loved having you on my show, and I've just been looking forward to this since we got it on the calendar. So thank you. Listen, man, when you hit me up, I was like, Absolutely. We got to have yeah. your story on my show. I believe you're going to be a blessing to uh, to my tribe, to, to to my people. And so I really want to get you in there. So let's, let's go ahead and just talk. Let's, let's dive straight into it. I don't like a bunch of fluff on the, uh, the table. And so I want to talk about how you grew up. Because if I'm not mistaken, mm. you grew up in a rural West Virginia area. Take us back to them days. And I want you mm. to set us up and let us know how how you were raised. And what made you the woman you are today? Yeah, so I mean, I'll I'll sh- I'll show you first of all, like right here. That is the actual trailer I grew up in. That's Woo! on the cover of the book. Oh man! And uh, you know, I think like when we released Dirt, something we heard from a lot of people is, "Well, gosh, like what's wrong with a trailer?" And that's the first thing I want to say across the board is this is not about hating on growing up in a trailer. The trailer I grew up in, in particular was maybe a little rougher, a little more um, falling apart, leaky than than what you might think of with like a nice double wide or something like that. So my parents, they got married when my mom was 17. They wow. had me when she was 20. Wow. Um, you know, basically she said to my dad, we need a place of our own. And he said, okay, no problem. I'm going to go get this trailer, the single wide trailer, 1978 or something like that, just for now. We're going to put it on the back half of my parents, my grandparents' property just for now. Mm where it still sits to this day, where I grew up in zero to 18. And so single wide trailers in the 1970s were not built to last. They're basically oversized (laughs) tin cans, you know? And we were these wild things. I I was an only child, but there was a whole neighborhood gang of kids. And we were these wild things who would climb up on top of the roof and go sliding across the aluminum. So the the roof became leaky very (sighs) quickly. And suddenly you have this water pouring in through the, you know, I always say my people are the people who know what drywall in the ceiling looks like right before it gives way, (laughs) you know? Um, And that water would pour through the floor and then the floor would give way. I I always say I hate the smell of mildew to this day because it would cling to your clothes and it followed you into the world. And in a lot of ways, telling this story was interesting because there are these stereotypes about West Virginia, Mm -hmm. you know, probably grew up in a trailer, pickup truck in the yard on cinder blocks, stray dogs in the yard. Dad was a logger. And writing a story that I didn't want to just be a stereotype when your story happens to check some of those boxes of the stereotype. Wow. So that's where I started. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I was going through your book and just really studying and learning you. You also said that your dad taught you a lot about life and work. What were some of the Mm -hmm. principles you were taught by your father when it comes to working, when it comes to living life, and just really expanding from there? Yeah, Anthony. So I come by a very strong work ethic, honestly. In fact, I feel like my work ethic in my family is probably like weak sauce (laughs) compared to theirs. (laughs) My dad, let me give you a, let me give you an example. I think I'll really paint a picture. He, there was a time when he had to jump down from a dozer because it was going to roll over on him and he broke both of his ankles, 
refused to let the doctor put real casts on because you can't get real casts into work boots, did these little plastic thin air casts because he could still get his work boots on because in my father's world, if you can get your boots on, you can live to fight another day. And so he... He, in turn, feels like his work ethic was weak compared to his dad and his dad's dad. We come from, like, we think eight generations deep of loggers in the in the heart of West Virginia. And so there's a phrase where I grew up, I feel like you might resonate with this, that one of the worst things you can call someone is to call someone doulas. They're unwilling to get up and go do for their family to take doulas. care of their own. Wow. Doulas. Wow. Yeah. And so that's, you know, that's one of the things I learned from watching him is if you are going to do something, my grandma Goldie, who's a character in the book and a character in real life, uh, always said, you know, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so we, there, there was an excellence and a work ethic that was instilled in me from a little, little girl, little age. I was four years old. My grandma cleaned houses. My mom cleaned houses. And I was, middle of the night doing dishes at somebody's business, like their kitchenette in the back room, tried to cut corners by just rinsing them. And I was forced to rewash every one of them by hand with soap till my hands turned purple, basically, because how you do anything is how you do everything. Wow. So, yeah. What were some of the money principles? Did y'all ever have conversations about money growing up? Yeah, they basically uh, amounted to, my dad in particular, really like sent the message, I feel like from an early age, that there are good people Mm -hmm. and there are rich people and the two are rarely the same. I can remember being probably like 10 or 12 and we were over on the other side of the county, like the wealthier side of the county, which, you know, by, by whatever standards that is. And him pointing to this house up on the hill and he said, if I ever catch you being the kind of person who owns the biggest house on the hill in town, like I'll disown you basically. And wait, wait, I think wait, that wait, makes wait, 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 we can't slide over that. I knew you were going to have fun with that. Yeah, I knew yeah, you were going to have fun we, with we that. Can't, we, we can't slide over that uh, there, Mary. Uh, yep. um, so your father said there's a difference between a good person and a rich person. Mm-hmm. And he said, if you ever at like the person who's rich at the top of the hill, he's going to disown you. Break that down for us so we yeah. can really understand what you're talking about because that that's that's a unique perspective to have. And yeah. I want to understand why did he say that and how did that make you feel growing up? So I think, Anthony, like we can really start to understand where a mindset like this comes from mm-hmm. when you understand that to him, the people with the money, the people who wore ties to work were forever the enemy. Wow. So a little bit of history real quick. My grandfather was the one who started our logging business. He died very suddenly and unexpectedly when my dad was 25. He'd been working with him. Mm-hmm. So it's on his shoulders at 25, new wife, new baby, new single wide trailer to take over this business and the 10 men and their 10 families who are working for him. And very quickly, he knew logging. He was born to log. He did not know business. Mm. So very quickly, his father's legacy, he sees start to be taken away by people with money, by Mm. people with suits. And so one day in particular, I can remember it's burned into my brain, was the day the bank came and repossessed our two logging trucks. I'm not talking about pickup trucks. I'm talking about 18 wheelers. And I remember seeing those trucks drive off in the distance and my dad in front of me and how small he got as those trucks drove away, Mm. right? And so for him, the phone ringing on the wall, if you grew up without a lot, you are nodding your head right now because when you're growing up, 
hopefully you remember what phones look like on the wall. Uh, if, you, if that phone starts ringing, you know it's not good because it is people who wear ties to work who want money that you don't have to pay bills you can't afford. Wow. And so he saw people with money as the people who took things from the people who worked. Yeah. And that if there, there became a huge mentality that if you didn't work for it, mm-hmm. you did not deserve it. And Anthony, that became a very interesting filter for me when I started thinking about grace right? Because I couldn't possibly work enough to deserve it. Here's this gift being offered to me for free. And I grew up that if you didn't work for it, you didn't deserve it. Wow. So what's your thought process now? Mm -hmm. Uh, From from what your dad taught you, from that mindset, where are you at now? I'm curious. Do you you still think, you know, the rich people are different from the the good people? Can rich Mm -hmm. people be good people? You know, yeah. I think that's yeah. the question that I have. You know, can wealthy people be also good people? Um, yeah. I'm curious. So what's your thought process? Yeah. So something that happened for me that was very pivotal in a lot of ways, I had kind of this like rich dad, poor dad experience, which is an amazing book. If you haven't, anybody listening hasn't read it. And that is that you can love the parents you grew up with and they can teach you all of these things, but there might be a gap in the financial wisdom that you learn from these sort of like you know, adopted fathers or mothers who step in. And so the first thing that happened for me is that when I was in college, I ended up getting a Rotary Ambassadorial Scholarship to go study in England for a year to get my master's. Oh, wow. And here is this group of people who wear ties to work, these business people who have done well enough in their lives. There's this overflow they can operate out of Mm -hmm. that they can then do go you know, do good in the world. And so here I am literally seeing rich people do good. And at the very same time, these are the people, I talk about this in Dirt, who are gonna send me an ocean away from my dad, who's always seen this irregular heartbeat of West Virginia be this protective boundary. Yeah. And that was like a double strike for him, right? They're taking his daughter away, sending her an ocean away right after 9-11. And there are these people with ties who are getting into her head. And I talk about how there are two worldviews started to drift apart, like there was an ocean between us. And so I absolutely think that people who happen to have money can be the ones who also go do good in the world. And I think, you know, money does not make us good or bad. It amplifies what's in our hearts. Yeah. It's, it's going to show the world. If you get a bunch of money, it's going to show you what was already happening in your heart. I agree. With what you do with it. So that's been a real challenge because— and I think we can talk about this, the thoughts that we have become our reality. And so my dad is somebody who has seen his world as I will, you know, one of his favorite sayings when I try to tell him something that would make his life better Mm -hmm. is, kid, he always calls me kid, this is how it is, this is how it was, this is how it always will be. (laughs) And those thoughts have become his reality. Right. You know, he's one of the most intelligent people you could ever talk to, mm-hmm. but he's convinced himself that he's a dumb old blogger, that he could never go to college, that he could never break great. Within your expertise, because you are you are an educated young lady, what are some mm-hmm. thoughts that have become some people's realities that you're seeing that's common around today's day day and time? Yeah. So let me tell you a quick story and it's it's going to become clear. Yeah. So when my grandfather passed away, suddenly heart attack, my grandma found him in the middle of the night, changed our whole family's world and you know flipped it upside down overnight. My dad, 25 years old, goes to the funeral. He could have in that moment said, well, my dad is gone. Let the business go with him. Let this life of labor go with him. I'll go maybe go to college like I always wanted to. 
But what happened, Anthony, is at that funeral home, he happened to walk up on two people who knew his dad, two people in the community, basically strangers to him, but he sort of knew them. And he heard them talking about now that he had inherited the business, it would be out of business Mm. within three to five months. And my dad did something a lot of people listening, this is a word for somebody listening, he decided to start making all of these choices about his life, not because it's what he was necessarily called to do, not because it was the dream, not because it's what felt like succeeding or success to him, but in order to prove someone else wrong. We tie ourselves up in knots. We've been in these like back bends just to operate out of this revenge wasteland. We're trying to grow a beautiful life out of a revenge wasteland yeah. to prove someone else wrong, that they weren't right about us. Wow. Yeah. And so I think that's what a lot of people are doing. I think they're, you know, making choices, they're buying things, they're uh, taking jobs, they're, they're, they're even dating people, whatever the case may be, just to prove somebody else wrong about them. And you know what? And I'll be honest, I've done that, Mary. I've, I've done certain things just to prove the people around me or just to prove to people who, uh, who said something about me negative uh, yeah. just so I can prove them opposite. And yeah. that was probably uh, about maybe about like five or six times I've done that. And I would definitely say all five or six of, of those times. That was the worst decision I could have ever made for my own personal yeah. life because there was no growth. It, it didn't stretch me. It didn't make me any better. What it honestly did, waste. It, it waste, I wasted my own time. You know, I yeah. didn't have uh, time to go and pursue my dreams, go and pursue my calling, go and pursue, pursue my purpose, go serve the people mm-hmm. I've been called to serve because I was too busy trying to prove to people who I'm not called to serve and help and be a blessing yeah. to that they're wrong and that I am this guy that I say that I am. Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I love talking about on this show is really giving people some practical things to do, practical things mm-hmm. to uh, think about. Let's say, Someone's watching us right now, and they're being honest. And I'm going to talk to you in the camera. If this is you, I want you to really listen to uh, Mary and myself right now. Uh, Mary, what are are like one to three things someone can do to shift their mindset, to shift Mm -hmm. the mindset from going from, I'm going to do this to prove them wrong, I'm going to do this to make them happy, to the mindset of, I'm going to do this, I'm going to have this mindset so I can be better, so my family can be better. Well, give yeah. us about one or three mindsets uh, that that we all should have. Yeah. So number one is we have to get really honest about the filter we're walking around wearing. Okay. So I'm writing about this. I'm currently writing my second book. I just wrote about this. And I said that, you know, I kind of like to picture those weird glasses in National Treasure, the Benjamin Franklin gra- glasses. <laughs> we're walking around with these glasses and we they affect how we see the world. But more importantly, they're informing how we believe the world sees us. Mm. Mm. And what I like to compare this to is like Marty McFly and Back to the Future. You know, he's got this photo of his parents and his siblings. And the more he starts to mess with the story, the more that 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 picture he's holding onto becomes transparent. So the more you identify that filter and then start to look for evidence to the contrary, the more transparent it's going to get. So for me, one of my filters that I've walked into life with as the girl in the trailer is that I will always be just a little bit not enough of something Mm. to be invited to most rooms to be welcome at most tables. And I'm saying this while I'm sitting at the table. Do you know what I mean? I walk through life looking for evidence that confirms I'm not invited. 
So we got to deal with those filters, identify them, and then look for evidence to the contrary. That's number one. Now, now before you go on, I was um, reading this. I was watching this video with Dr. Phil and Joe Rogan, and Dr. Phil said something that you said is so good, and I just pulled it up on my notes app because I'm always taking notes, y'all. Every time I watch a video, every time I'm reading a book, Mm -hmm. I take notes. And he said something you just said about your filter. He said, some people have a damaged personal truth, a damaged personal personal truth and that we tend to generate the results that we think we deserve rather than the results that we actually deserve. And so when you said that, Mary, I was like, yo, that that, that reminded me of something. I had to go back to my notes because I'm like, yo, wait, 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 wait. I heard this before. And it's like how many of us actually have damaged truth from growing up. And yeah. there's we we all have experienced your parents served you well and did the very best that they could do at that time. My parents mm. served me well and, and did the very best that they could do during that time. But yeah. even all of us have experienced some damaged truth. Even all of us still feel as if, okay, like I didn't grow up wealthy. I didn't grow up like you. I didn't grow up with, with rich family, with rich parents. Um, I grew up seeing um, seeing my mom having to work two, three jobs just to survive. I grew up watching my dad um, really having to work hard. So I grew up, work hard, you'll be, you'll, you'll be successful, and you'll make it. You won't be rich, yeah. but you will make it. Now, that's mm. a, that, uh, to me, that's truth. But it's kind of damaged a little bit because I should be able to work hard and work smart and be wealthy. And so I grew up thinking I'm never going to be rich because my parents weren't rich. My family wasn't rich. And so we got to change that perspective a little bit and look beyond. So I love how you're saying change the lens that we're looking through. Okay, we we woo, this is good. I hope y'all taking <laughs> notes, man. <laughs> this is what we do at the table. My girl Mary's at the table. All right, so that's number one. Talk to us about yeah. number two, sister. What's what's number two? Number two is that there are so many people listening right now and they know they have a gift in them. They know they have something they're being called to go do that is beyond that limiting belief, but they are sitting on that gift. They are sitting on that calling because of their own insecurities about it, because of their own fear of failure, because of their own what's somebody else going to say about it, that we are missing all the people who would be served. We're so stuck in this, who am I to go chase a dream that we miss who could we help if we chase this dream? Mm. And that can be for us changing that break in our families. It can be what we put into the world. I mean, let me tell you something, Anthony. It was hard to write a story where you are walking that line of honoring, but also saying this needed to change. But as we go into our lives, my husband, Justin, and I, we know that we could be the break in that chains. And we know that from now on, and you talk about this all the time, our family tree could look different from what we're doing right now. Yes. And we get scared of that. Yes. Because we think, who am I to do that? Come on! Yeah. Mary, yeah. I want me to scream. <laughs> I don't want to be too crazy over <laughs> here, but this, this is my show. Yes! <laughs> you know, how many of us yeah. are actually sitting down on our dreams? How many of us are sitting down on our purpose? How many of us yeah. are missing out on really reaching everything God has called us um, and wants us to do because we're scared? We have insecurities. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with insecurities because we all have insecurities. At 36 years old, and at my level of success, I still have insecurities. Yeah. Um, you know, when I get around people like your Dave Ramsey's and these big, big, big names who've been doing this stuff for 25, 30 years, man, I do have some insecurities. But you know yeah. what? I, I go back to who I am. Yeah. 
We were made by the same God. Um, God put me on this earth to accomplish something. And so Dave was made by the same God that made me. He's no better than me. He's, he may be wiser than me, but he's not a better person than me. So get your butt up and go do what God has called you to do and just trust God in the process. And I've done yeah. things scared. I've done things not even uh, knowing how it's going to turn out. I've done things like this is not going to work. Uh, yeah. But because God showed up and I was just within the perfect wheel, man, things happen. Oh, you talking. You talking so good. So for those of y'all yeah. listening right now, I don't know what you're thinking about. You may be scared. You may be insecure in some areas. You may be nervous. But the very first thing I firm, I truly believe, and she just said it, uh, get up, take the first step. I think that's the first part of the journey. Get up, take the first step. Yeah. Forget about yeah. the lens that you're looking through. Get a new set of lens. When you get a new set of lens, the next thing is take the first step. Step And I ain't trying to be preachy, but when we take one step, God can take 10. And that's like you taking 11 steps. And so I I like this, Mary. What's that third one? Who you hitting good, man? You hitting good, Mary. I like this. What's number three? Yeah. Yeah. Well, first I'll say that I was nodding over here so hard when you were talking about you, even whatever level of success you get to, it doesn't go away. You get in the room with these people and suddenly you're right back to that version of you. I talk about in dirt when I got to that point of grew up in a trailer, end up at Yale Law School. I have a chapter called Belonging is a Gray J. Crew Sweater. We kind of go through this process (laughs) of I can buy my way into belonging. And I talk about, you know, I bought it not on sale because that's what rich people do. And I like swiped that card and got that approval. But when I walked into the hallways, these leather clad mahogany hallways the next day, I felt like I could still smell vanilla dollar store perfume and mildew Mm. preceding me into the room. So Mm. to a certain extent, we carry these people with us. And it's Mm. like, we get to, we can say to them, you get to be a part of the journey, but you're like Elizabeth Gilbert talks about, you don't get to be in the front seat. Like we're going somewhere else. So the third, the third thing that I would say is I want to talk a little bit to the person listening who feels like I can't tell my story or I can't change my story because it's going to be a betrayal. Transformation hurts. Mm-hmm. It hurts when we transform, mm-hmm. but really one of the one of the parts we don't talk about is it can feel like we're hurting all the people who raised us when we start to be different. And so I was giving a talk one time, Anthony, um, at this conference. I'm up on stage. I'm like really fired up and I'm going and I'm talking about, there's this saying that says, just when the butter, just when the caterpillar thought her life was over, she became a butterfly. And it's yeah. supposed to be like so inspirational. But all I've ever been able to think when I hear that is, I bet it hurts the caterpillar. And I started giving this like really, you know, just like loud explanation of the X-Men version of that. These feathers protruding out of raw, broken skin, scratching and clawing at the surface as you shed these layers. This literal stabbing of your own back just to fulfill a propensity to fly. Mm. And I give this whole picture and we end the, you know, the talk and the sound guy who ironically was called Mike comes up and he says, that's not actually how caterpillars become butterflies. And I'm like, oh, there goes my analogy. Right. And what he said was, what actually happens is that when a caterpillar is going to become something new, when they go into that cocoon, that chrysalis, they actually have to disintegrate entirely. If you cut open a chrysalis, all you would find is caterpillar soup. And we completely become this death to our old self before the thrill of hope takes flight. And I thought about that. and, And that is like this, this breaking down 
to become a new thing. But if you look at butterflies, they keep some of the same coloring. They stay in some of the places that they were a caterpillar. There's a there's this mental memory of who they were. You get to become both roots and wings. And so it's embracing this idea that you becoming something different in your family, you can leave a place without saying there was something wrong with it. You can ask for more without saying there was something lacking. So Man, that would be my number three. You're teaching good. Mary, yeah. you, you are you are teaching good. I wish we had another 30 minutes with you. Me too. You know, yeah. I, I really do. Um, as we come to the end of the show, uh, tell us a little bit about your book. How can we get the book? Uh, because I really want to support you on this. Um, and for those of you all watching and listening on podcasts, uh, we're going to put um, all her book information in the show notes. Uh, so make sure to check that out. Uh, but tell us a little bit about your book. What is it about? How is this, how is this book helping uh, people? Mm-hmm. And where can we yeah. get it? Yeah, so Anthony, the book is called Dirt. That's the trailer I grew up in. Like I said, the subtitle uh, is Growing Strong Roots and What Makes the Broken Beautiful. And the elevator version of this book is single wide trailer to Yale Law School. What I wanted this book to stand for, and this is what every single person listening can take from this book, is it has become an anthem for giving up this idea of achieving our way into worth, for running so hard from our muddy story that we try to stumble our way into success. I have this part in Dirt where I talk about, I was the girl in the red cape running from the deep dark woods, the big bad wolf ripping at her heels. She runs because she knows it might kill her. And then I realize I'm the girl in the red cape But I'm also the wolf. And that voice telling me not to stop running is my own. So if you are somebody who feels like you achieve and achieve and achieve and achieve, hoping the next gold star will finally make you worthy, this is the book for you. You can find it at thebookdirt.com, T-H-E-B-O-O-K-D-I-R-T.com. And you'll also find me there, all the different websites, the podcast, The Mary Morantz Show. And I am at Mary Morantz on all the socials. On all the socials, and make sure to check out her show. Um, I've been on her show. It is amazing. She has great content over there, you guys. Uh, Mary, thank you so, 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 so much uh, for coming on um, the table. You didn't actually come to the table, but you came on the table. Uh, So next time, we'll have to get you at the table where you can have some of my sweet tea and lemonade. You know, um, I have some sweets. I didn't sweets. know I was missing that. Yeah, yeah. My producer <laughs> wanted me to have it in my cup because it looked like beer. So, you know, we had to put it in here. <laughs> we, we, don't want, we don't want people thinking to have beer. And then when you come back, then you got to try my favorite candy. Everyone who comes onto right. the table has to uh, try my favorite candy in the world. Licorice, you guys. Licorice. I love this Done. place. So, so it's Red Vines, not... Uh, Twizzlers? Twizzlers? I mean, yeah, kind? it's called Red Vines, but I grew up calling it licorice. So, you know, <laughs> so I, I call right. it, you know, from the old school days. That's my damnest yeah. truth. <laughs> <laughs> but Mary, thank you so much. I appreciate you so much for coming on to the show. Um, hey, you guys, make sure uh, to check out the show notes and you'll get a link to her book. Uh, you get a link to her podcast and to her social media channels. Um, she'll bless you. Mary, Mary, thank you so much. Thank you. I really want to end with this, you guys. I remember um, coming home to my lights being cut off. Uh, I remember having to eat Hamburger Helper two or three times a week. I I remember having to put uh, my shoes uh, and put tape on the bottom of my shoes because I had holes on the bottom of uh, my shoes. I remember the tough times growing up. I remember sharing my bedroom with my brother and my sister because we had a family of six. My parents uh, was in one room. Me and my siblings were in one room. 
And then we cared for uh, my elderly grandmother at the time. She had her own room. So I remember uh, the tough times growing up. And honestly, back then, that wasn't tough. It was normal. And that normal grew into my expectations. And then I had to really quickly remind myself that, hey, back then, that's what I had to do. But that doesn't have to be my future. And that's one thing that I really, really love about what Mary said. Change the lens that you see life through. Change the lens that you see yourself through. And here's the lens we all should be looking at. Jesus Christ. I know you're, I know you're not coming to the table to be preached at, but you know what? Your boy is a preacher. You know, I, I'm a man of God at heart. I'm not perfect. I got flaws. I have sins that I'm working on. But you're going to get the word from me in some kind of way. And the only lens that we should be judging ourselves through is through the lens of Jesus Christ. His lens wants us to be free, have joy, have peace, have freedom, um, have financial freedom, have a wealthy life, have a prosperous life. His lens are the only lens we should be looking at ourselves through. Yo, this is your boy, Anthony O'Neill. And don't forget, I keep it real, relevant, and relatable every single week right here at the table. Peace out. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.